Welcome to Empowered Mind Body Inspiration. The mind is the map to wholeness, wellness, health. The heart is the key to genius and inspiration. Join me and my guests as we explore how to release and rewire into who you truly are unique, whole, and empowered. Please like, share, and subscribe. Spiral up, spiral out. Welcome, everyone. Today we have Lisa Scott. Lisa's motto is Rip on Life. She's an online mind body spirit coach helping people create their ideal reality to supercharge the body and find their flow state. She also coaches CrossFit, loves tacos, and is a full time travel nomad. Well, soon, right, Lisa? Yes. <laughs> Welcome, Lisa. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on, Jane. I so appreciate it. And I'm so excited to talk with you today about whatever the heck we get into. Um, But just seriously, thank you so much for having me on the show. You're very welcome. You know, I love your slogan, Rip on Life. That is definitely a commitment. There's an inner commitment when you say that. Tell us about that, how it came to be. And I understand you also pivoted in life to to this place you're in. Yeah. So this is a little bit of a long-winded story, but it should definitely get us going. So basically, my business started as a health coach, CrossFit coach, nutrition coach type of business. And at that time, it was just called Lissa Scott Fitness, my name. And started working with a coach last summer and I changed the name of the business to maximum potency and maximum potency, the slogan, when I was sitting with the vision, the mission and the values, I always had this within me, but I finally got it out onto paper. The vision and the mission of the company is to rip on life and to teach others to rip on life. And where that came from was, it was a deep place in my soul. My dad actually passed away when I was 15 in a motorcycle accident. So at the drop of a hat. Um, and that, really opened my eyes to the fact that life is super, super urgent. We, it's cliches, it doesn't, as cliche as it sounds, we really don't know how many days we have left. And so I watched my dad's life end at 41 years old and I went, oh shit, right? Like I am on a ticking time bomb on life. And if I don't rip on it, quote unquote, like it's just going to pass me by whether I grab it by the horns or run with it or not. Um, and so as I was doing this brainstorming around what I wanted the business to shift into, I was doing a CrossFit workout with one of my good friends, Ryan Byer. And we were using a piece of equipment called the ski erg, which is shaped like a Y with two handles at the top that you pulled down in, in a skiing motion. And he was holding it and he was screaming at me for a full 90 seconds. Come on, Liz, you got this Liz. Grip it and rip it, Liz. Come on, rip on it. And I said, Ryan, after that, that's the slogan. That's what I've been trying to say. It came to me in the middle of a workout, rip on life. That's the summary. That's the cleanest way I know how to say it. And most people, when they hear that, if they don't know what it means, they can kind of guess what it means. And it means to squeeze the last drop out of the last drop of juice out of life, you know, just like take it and really, really, really rip on it. And that means something different to everybody. Um, but it always means to live in line with your values and to do what you're passionate about. And so that message sort of is a cool thing because it bends depending on who's saying it, but it always means the same thing centrally. So all my clients have that in common. They all like to rip on life. And I, uh, as their leader, we always joke around, we always go rip on it, you know, or yelling at each other. So it's super, super awesome. Um, and thank you for asking me that. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. I love it. And, you know, I love the story of how it came to be as well, because often when you have the question, Mm -hmm. the answer comes in sometimes the most unexpected ways, but it can be very obvious. A hundred percent. You know, your coach, like yelling for half an hour. (laughs) Yeah. I've been driving. So encouraging. Yeah. And sometimes I'll have a question. I'll be driving down a road or something and the answer's in my, in the back of my brain sitting there. And finally you pay attention to it and you're like, Oh, that's the answer. 
There it is, right? You allow it to surface. And that is the whole finding your flow state that I talk about. It's sifting through all the noise to get to that part of you that like good things are just happening and you're just in flow and you're feeling creative and you're feeling like your mind is sharp and that there's not a bunch of junk between your skin and your soul, right? You're just there. So that's beautiful too. Yeah. So being in the moment, tell us more about that being in the flow. I love that. Yeah. Being in the flow is, um, you're kind of in this place where time is melting. You're aware that it exists, but you're very unconcerned with it. You are not concerned about how long something takes. You're only caring about what you're producing or what you're experiencing. Sometimes it's not an output. Sometimes it's just, wow, let me take it all in. Right. And we've all had glimpses of this. Um, when you're just lost in serenity on vacation or you're on a trail and you forget to turn around because it's so pretty and your mind is wandering and you're not consciously filtering yourself or editing yourself or saying, I have to produce X, Y, and Z, but you're really just in, in this artist-like state or this, you know, experiential state where life is happening around you and you're not trying to edit it is the simplest way that I could put it. Yeah. And it it does happen periodically when we get our mind out of it or mm-hmm. just be totally in the moment. But yeah, it's, it's where we should all live. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, and there's, you know, we drip into it and then we pull out of it sometimes in a jagged manner and sometimes with intention. But uh, I think like finding the ways that you can get into flow and just knowing some of the cheat codes to get you a little closer to that state um, is a huge, a huge part of my success and a huge part of what I teach with people is just like, you have to know what does it for you. And so one of the things that everybody has in common is if we feel like we're in chaos, it's very hard to be in flow. They're kind of opposite. And so getting into those grounded states via meditation or prayer or going for a walk or going for a run outside like however you need to get there, get there, but make sure you make it a point to get there because so much beauty stems from that place. Right. Is that your tips on how to get there? Is just Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could be different for everybody. So I'm curious for you too. Like, um, is there any way that you said you were driving the other day, right? Like that's, that's a state where you're able to dip into that flow. Even if it's just for a couple of minutes while you're driving, like I think that's amazing. Yeah, I've had I've had a few downloads when I'm driving. I think yeah, yeah, just you slow everything down at that time, and you can't do too much. And it's funny, like when we are rushing towards something, we actually are in a chaotic state, so we get there mm-hmm. slower than if we did what you're saying, right? Yes, that's amazing. Absolutely, and and it stresses our nervous system out too, right? I mean, your line of work, you probably know more about this than I do, but when we eat in a rush and do our chores in a rush, it sends these signals to our body that like we're not settled and that we should be in a state of panic on some level, even if it's not full out panic. And so that's one thing I've been trying to work on is like, why are you rushing when you don't have to this? I know you like to be efficient, but this is pretty crazy that we just live like that. You know, we don't question it, um, especially on the East coast where I'm from. So, so interesting. Yeah. And I guess the first step is to recognize it. A hundred percent awareness is key. Yeah. Just to realize that you're on the the rush path. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That you're operating from that state of, let me check all the boxes as fast as possible. It's like, are you even experiencing your day or are you just doing it for the sake of getting it done? You know? Yeah. And unfortunately it's often the latter, isn't it? Oh, a hundred percent without awareness. It's almost always that. Yeah. So, right. And then at the end of the day, you, you even think what, what were the details of this day? Can I actually recall them? And Mm -hmm. sometimes the answer is no, because you've been in such a state of hurry. The blur instead of the flow, right? Right? The blur. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. So I actually, if you don't mind, I'm going to share a couple of practices that I do to observe the world around me and become more present and more grounded. And one of them is in the morning, I write down three things that I'm grateful for, but I don't just write down three things. I think about the last 24 hours and I write down maybe three things I'm grateful that happened. 
right? So instead of saying, I'm grateful for my house, I'll say, I'm grateful I woke up in the sunshine in my comfy bed. So that documents, hey, the weather is this today, or I'm grateful I got to sleep with the windows open, or I'm grateful I got to talk with my cousin on the phone today or whatever it was. And doing that little 24-hour block has really helped me. And then the other thing is creating a big three for the day of, hey, these are the top three things I need to get done today in order of priority. And when those three things are done, I can rest. Otherwise, the to-do list just never ends, right? So like, can I knock three things off with intention and purpose today? And then can I accept that if I have more juice, I can keep going. But if I don't have more juice, my workday is done. And as an entrepreneur, that's so, so important because no one tells you to clock out. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I I do that intuitively too, but I'm going to become even more aware of it now. Yeah, I'll say to me, yeah, when you get this done, the rest is like extra, but it doesn't go, go take a walk, go, you know, call your mom, whatever you need to do to experience the day and not just make it all work. Yeah. And yet you're moving forward with action. You know, you're not just zoning out or wasting the day either. So there's action Mm -hmm. toward a goal, which is important. Yes. A hundred percent. I love that. Yeah. So those are your two favorite tips for flow. Yeah, I would say, you know, become, become aware and become present and then figure out what does it for you. Because I'm saying, oh, I like to drive the back roads. I like to take a run outside. But for you, it might be cooking a meal with the music and the TV off. It might be, I know a lot of friends who are yogis or um, we won't call them gymnasts, but they like to mess around with handstands and things like that. And they're like, yeah, I'm totally in flow after I spend some time upside down. I mean, I don't know what it is for everybody. And it's kind of like what being observant of what states or what activities put you into the mood where everything seems possible. Cause that's flow state too. You're open-minded. And like, it goes back to the not editing thing is what can I do to put myself in an almost childlike state, not childish, but childlike where you're like, oh, maybe I could this, or maybe I could that. And everything just seems like a floating by possibility. Um, And from there, you can then tune into intuition and figure out what feels good and what you actually want to do. But that flow state is like sitting for ideas and feeling into the hunches and following your energy is another way that I've heard it um, phrased, but it's whatever makes the most sense to you or kind of like talking about intangibles here. So it's hard to put a word to it, but flow state, you know it when you feel it because you look at the clock and you go, oh my God, it's midnight or, oh my God, three hours has gone by and I've been doing this thing I love. Right. So interesting. Yeah. I, one of my favorite things is I actually, most people love cooking. I, I find it a chore that has to be done. Yeah. So what I do is I'll put jazz music on, which makes gives me the feeling of just entering a fun nightclub that's like exotic and exciting. And as soon as I put that on, it changes my whole perspective of cooking. Yes. Because now I'm in a different state, right? And so. does that have words or no? No, no, no. See, no I think that's the key. Is yeah. to not have someone talking at you, right? So yeah, some some music without lyrics definitely will shift your mood for sure. Speaking of that, my favorite workout right now is a girl from Australia, and she doesn't talk. She, oh. It's only music. She talks briefly at the beginning, and then it's only music, and she's only demonstrating. And that's wow. the reason I love it because there's no words. <laughs> I love that. So I can be a bit more in flow. You want to shout her out? What's your name? Oh, you know what? I've lost the name right now. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, my favorite musician is from Australia, Tosh Sultana. Do you know who that is? No, no, I haven't. Yeah, check, check her out. She's super yeah. cool. And she has lyrics, but they're really flowy. And so you don't really notice them. She's not like screaming at you. She's not like the Red Hot Chili Peppers where you're in your face, you know? Yeah. Um, really chill music, but that's some music I could get lost to. So it's powerful. It's really uh, powerful. Yeah. I'll put both of those in the description. So. <laughs> All right. Deal. We got Australian <laughs> workouts and Australian music for your listening pleasure. I love it. <laughs> I love it. 
So tell me more about intuition and, you know, the spirit part of the coaching. Yeah, absolutely. So what I've realized is if, if we only stay in our body and in our head, we never listen to our gut or our heart. People tend to feel it in their chest and in their rib cage. Um, we can convince ourselves that we want things that we don't. We can give far too much into a mood, into a fleeting thing. Uh, Cause the human mind is a fickle thing, right? It wants one thing, one minute and another thing, another minute, but our core of our being, our spirit typically is met, uh, you know, being magnetized in a direction and that direction simply doesn't change at the drop of a hat. Things can happen around us that are major life events, like a parent's death or loss of a child, or, you know, really like those wake up moments and they may cause it to shift, but it's not going to shift day to day for no reason. Um, that, that intuition pull, I think pulls us in a certain direction. And I think that it's hardwired into us, whether by a creator, which is my personal belief, or maybe, you know, if you're more on like the reincarnation side of things, maybe it's instilled in you because it's the journey that you're meant to be on, however your mind wraps around it. Um, but it seems like our purpose is scribed there if we get quiet enough to feel into it. And at the end of the day, you could be in really good shape. You could have a really great job or you could be doing all the things that you quote unquote should be doing. But if you don't actually want from a deep, seated place in your soul to be doing those things, it's not worth it to do them. It might be entertaining to do them, or it might be impressive to do them, but that all comes from a place of ego. And so when we kind of start to set that down, the outward appearance and how will I look if I'm successful and a lawyer, or how will I look if I'm successful and X, Y, Z, and we're filtering through worldly standards, we don't always, it's not that we can't, but we don't always get to a place of fulfillment. So the spirit thing is, hey, it's great that you think you want to build a business and that you think you want to build a body and a bank account and a relationship and all these things. But if you don't know who you are on a soul and spirit level, it's going to be very hard to even be happy or stick it out when you're not so happy in those things. Because building a business is not... Um, it's not a smooth ride or right? it's a bumpy ride. And so if you're not coming from a, a place where you're like, no, this is something I deeply need to do because it's deeply who I am. It's going to be very, very hard to build a house on that. So to speak, you're building a house on sand if you're not building a business on your purpose. And so, um, you know, it's just really, really wild to see people who put a bunch of time into something that's not aligned with them. And then it's even more amazing to watch them snap into the thing that they feel more aligned to doing, even if it's a side project at first. And they're like, oh my God, this doesn't feel like work, right? They're in flow. So when you're in spirit, you're in flow. And when you're leading from your gut, you can feel it because the way I describe it is like, there's a fiery feeling in between the bottom of my rib cage that I literally feel pulled forward by like led by, but I didn't always have that sharpness of the sense because I wasn't in tune. I wasn't grounded. I was go, 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 busy, busy, busy. Never took time to listen, never took time to feel And over the past 10 years, it's been like a slow coming home to those feelings and to listening to that and to not ignoring it because the chaos will make you ignore it too. It's like this big thing that if you're not aware of it, you're just getting sucked down this road of, uh, you know, society wants you to be a cog in the machine. It doesn't like when you're not a cog in the machine. So you have to be on your own venture, venturing off on your own off the beaten path to really be in step with that. So I hope that answers your question. That's quite the ramble. Well, I love it. In fact, you know, um, that feeling right below your rib cage in your gut, I, I can totally relate to it. And mm -hmm. we do get pulled off in different directions or our mind plays games with us that mm -hmm. is this really important. But when you go back to feeling that gut, you mm -hmm. go, yes, like there's this burning. Yes. Yeah. How did you? And likewise, really quick, when it's wrong, you know it there too. And it, it pulls you in and you feel nauseous. Yeah. Right. It's like the opposite of that feeling is when you're like, oh my God, I'm going to puke because something feels wrong. 
Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. So how did you find it? Do you have a story oh, of how, like when you first, like mm. dug deep, right? Like, or found yeah. place? I don't have necessarily a specific moment, but there's some moments that I can just rattle off. Um, and they were all decision-making moments where you're presented with a, a fork in the road, so to speak, and you've got to decide, am I going left or am I going right? And somebody told me one time, if you flip a coin and while it's in the air, you find yourself hoping for it to land on a certain side, that's your intuition, right? And I'm like, oh, that's so good. So um, that that was super interesting, but I had a few flip a coin moments like that where I'm like, I don't need the dang coin. I know which way to go. Right. And so one of them was like, what college do I go to? Do I go to college? Do I go on this mission trip overseas, even though I'm 16 years old and I have no money and I'm going to have to fundraise two grand. Um, do I date this person? Right. Like there's all these moments in, in which we learn to trust ourselves. And usually the times that we go against our intuition, we're kicking ourselves. And so the more times we go with it, we build that muscle or that confidence to be like, no, listen, you do know what you want or like, no, you thought it was this. You told yourself it was that, but you knew it was this the whole time. Right. It's those moments of like brutal honesty with ourselves. So the ways that I've done that are to get quiet or to find my way into a journal in the morning or a meditation in the evening or a walk. I used to not be able to sit still and meditate. I still can't sit still in perfect silence and meditate, but I can put on ambient music and say, you're going to think for a few minutes. And you're not going to edit your thoughts. You're just going to look at them, right? Or before that, before I could do that, I would listen to a guided meditation. Then I would notice where my head was at when it was over versus where it was at when it started. And before I could do that, I would go for a walk and I would just listen to the birds or the cars or the whatever. And I would just pray because it was like I was getting stiller and stiller and stiller. But it's almost like a drug addict is we're in this so, so, so heavily stimulated culture that to go from all to nothing, you go through withdrawal, you start going crazy. But if you can baby step your way out of that stimulation from highly stimulated to a little stimulated to a little less stimulated to, and actually really zen out right now, don't come in my room, right? That's like a whole progression. And so the past year has been me doing that. Um, and not to say that I didn't have days but it wasn't a habit, you know, it, the past year has been me making that a habit. And I feel very in tune with which way to go when the forks in the road do come up. So humility too, is like admitting that you don't always have the answer right away. is kind of a freaky thing that we don't like to do as humans, but when we can acknowledge, Hey, I don't have the answer and Hey, God, angels, universe, I'm looking for it, which is what you were alluding to earlier. Um, really good stuff happens. We are all being guided, supported and, uh, stood next to at all times. It's really amazing. Yeah. I find asking is one of the most important parts. And then like you mm -hmm. say, yeah, listening and being quiet and weaning yourself off of stimulation. Yeah. When, when your dad passed, did that put you into the state, like that questioning state? I find, you know, the hardest things in our life often are the biggest gifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would put, put me into the questioning state for sure. But do you know anything about the Enneagram? Sorry, the what? The Enneagram. <laughs> it's like numbers and personality types. No, no, not a lot. Okay. So I read this book. I read this book this year called The Road Back to You. I forget who wrote it, but it's a book about the Enneagram. And it's really simple. It simplifies the whole thing. You Basically, there's a circle with numbers one through nine. And you could be a seven-ish, eight-ish or a eight-ish, nine-ish, right? You could have like a wing in one of the other categories, but you have a number. And when I read the book, I felt like I was both a three and a seven. And I'll explain this in just a second. But you can't be both a three and a seven because a three and a seven are next to each other on the on the wheel, right? Mm -hmm. Like, which, which the heck am I? So number three is the workaholic and number seven is the enthusiast. And I had no idea which one. So I read through the enthusiast and the enthusiast is someone who pursues exciting life adventures that's the bright side and the dark side the shadow side is the reason that you do that is to avoid deep pain and so work was one of my exciting experiences that I would pursue and so when I read that I was like wow what am I blocking out right 
when I was 15, 16, 17, 18, there was no way I couldn't feel it because he passed when I was 15 about to turn 16. I was forced into that questioning state. And then very quickly at age 18, when I left high school and went to college, it was like I picked up this pacifier of busyness to distract myself from actually having to feel those feelings because I didn't like what I was feeling. It wasn't enjoyable to be in that state. I hated almost every second of it. And so for six years, I denied myself feeling those things as deeply as I could have. Not that I never did, but I did by no means have a daily habit of sitting down and and saying to myself, how are you feeling today, Lissa? And why are you feeling this way, right? Which is now what we do in the journal in the morning. And so, yeah, I I went into it. I came out of it and I went back into it, right? Because I realized that um, without that, my life wasn't making very much sense because I was kind of aimlessly like running into walls in every different direction. Like, let me try this. Let me try that. Can't stay committed to things or places or people because I'm flighty. Because again, I'm trying to stay stimulated. I'm trying to stay in that state of, well, I'm busy. I'm, I'm too, I'm too busy to cry right now. Right. I'm not at home on a Friday night because I have a part-time job and that allows me to avoid loneliness. Like you could, I could really unpack a lot of this, but without taking up our whole episode, it's like, can, can you stay busy enough to avoid the pain? And if so, for how long and at what cost? What was the cost of that was pure exhaustion. And the cost of it was my peace. The cost of it was never feeling like I was done for the day, right? Like I had talked about. Um, and living in that was way more painful than dealing with the pieces, the broken pieces that you don't want to look at. There's so much reward and so much growth in looking at those broken pieces Um, And I just had to come to terms with that. And I did not do that on my own. Um, I have a a business growth and personal growth mentor and the group of us in community. I saw everybody else looking at their broken pieces and I went, oh man, I better take mine out of the backpack too, right? Because I'm in good company here. And having that courage to do that, um, the community made all the difference. And now I'm forging a community like that for people and kind of paying it forward. It's just been so, so interesting. But uh, adopting that growth mindset and having the humility really brought me back into it in the past year or so. Yeah. Wow. That is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you nodding along. I'm like, Jane knows what I'm saying right now. She's picking it up. Oh, yeah. Right. Because that yeah. pain is, I, I don't know. I think it's a bigger monster than um, like when you face to turn it, it's not mm-hmm. as big a monster as when we're running from it. Yes. But yeah, it keeps you moving and hopping to to avoid it. And eventually, you know, you get triggered and you're in a flight or fight state and mm-hmm. eventually you're going to get sick, right? Like there's no. Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, um, I'm also healing my gut and my lower back right now, because when you look at your spine as a timeline, right? Seven years old is lower back pain. And I'm thinking to myself, oh man, what a broken time that was in my life and how interconnected are the mind, body, and spirit. And it's literally become this other layer of something that I haven't taught on a ton because I'm going through it right now, but there's no denying that our mind, body, and spirit are really all one thing and that we can try and separate them if we want to, but ultimately we can't. And so that's been interesting too. I love that you just brought that up. We will get sick. I just remember looking at myself in the mirror the one day and going, does anyone see how tired I am? Does anyone see it? Cause I see it, right? I just looked really tired. And then when I met my boyfriend last fall, he said to me, Lissa, you don't have to keep walking on the hot coals. We've all seen how you walked on the hot coals for the past 10 years. You can stop walking on them or you can put down the backpack, whatever analogy you want to use. And I looked at him and I'm like, you can see the tiredness. And I don't know that anyone's ever verbally called it out, even if they've acknowledged it on an energetic level. So, so wildly healing and so interesting. Um, But so maybe mine was just pure exhaustion, right? More so than a sickness because I am a health nut and always in the gym and always eating vegetables and protein and all the things. But it's just so interesting how it manifests. It does manifest in a physical way, in some way, whether it's a sickness or exhaustion or lower back pain. So, so wild. Yeah. Well, you're still young too, right? Like, and very resilient. So you're not going to see it for a period of time, but yeah. Yeah. So 
the way I explain it is the unconscious mm-hmm. mind records everything and the automatic yes. mind is in the same hemisphere, which controls everything that happens in our body. So this unconscious mind has the, the triggers and the information that's always affecting the automatic part of our body, which is a, is like our, our everything that happens on a daily basis our breathing, you know, our heart rate, our neurological structure, our muscular structure, everything is interconnected. So yeah, you're, you're right on. Yeah. So wild. So, so cool to connect with you and hear you acknowledge these things from a scientific perspective too, because that is not my world. So um, I really, really appreciate you just breaking that down just now. Right. But we're starting to become more aware of it again as as humans, I think it's, I think it's our next place that we really have to go, you know, acknowledging that it's all one thing. Is that what you mean? Yeah. 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 There's a tattoo on my leg. I have a lot of tattoos, but no one listening will know that um, because they can't see me, but there's a tattoo on my leg and it's one line and it makes up the stars. Or it makes up a star and a moon kissing. And uh, I'm sorry, a sun and a moon kissing. I keep saying it backwards, but uh, it's all one line. And it represents the interconnectedness of all things because we're also made from stardust, right? And so it's just so interesting when you start to think about it on an even bigger scale. It's not even just mind, body, spirit, but mind, body, spirit is connected to this whole thing called reality. And it's just insane. Absolutely insane. Right? So where does intuition come from? I think it comes from source that is planted within us if we're really going to boil it down, right? I talked a little bit about how to listen to it or how to feel it, but I do think that it is from source energy. Like whether you believe that to be God, angels, universe, the person you were in your last life, but there is some, we are being led at all times. And I firmly, firmly believe that. Um, There's just been too many moments in my life for it to be coincidence at this point, even the fact that I was born in the first place, or I don't know what the percent chance is, but it's something super crazy low. The fact that we're even here. Um, and when you start to look at your life as a gift and something that has a divine plan attached to it, it makes perfect sense that we would have a rib cage that tells us what to do. <laughs> it's so interesting. So interesting. So yeah, I think, I think it's a tuning into the universal sound and a, a tuning into what is, universally true and leading from that place but most people aren't courageous enough to get quiet enough to go there yeah and it's so important like what you're teaching other people to do this is so important right now because we're all a piece of a puzzle right and we're all unique and if we're all resonating in that place then we can the planet can change dramatically it can it sure can and humanity can change. Yeah. So how do you, how do you teach people to to get in touch with that? Um, one of the first lessons that I do with everybody, whether they're in a personal growth mentorship or a business mentorship, and this is for my one-on-one clients. There's some group coaching that's uh, a little bit more intro, a little bit start to walk down the personal growth path. So um, there is a pathway in, and this is not the pathway in. This is for someone who's ready to dig a little deeper, but the clients that are really ready for a one-on-one digging deep, they're here for it. They've done some of the work themselves. And now you've led them to this door and you're like, do you want to go through the door? And they're like, yeah, but I need a tour guide. Right. (laughs) And you're like, okay, we can go through the door together. I don't know what we're going to find in there, but I'll, I'll help you look around kind of a thing. And that door represents their deep self. And so the people that are ready for that, I sit them down the first week that they're in my coaching or the first two weeks that they're in my coaching. And we have a long talk about vision, mission, and values. Vision is your why. It's why are you waking up in the morning? Why are you here? It's a rather deep question to ask someone the first week they're in your coaching. I don't expect them to come up with an answer on the spot. I want them to sit with it and dig for it. Um, The mission is the how. Okay, so how are you going to do that thing that you believe that you're made to do? And then the values should align with those two. If you say you're doing this by doing this, then what are the values that back that up? And what is your code of conduct? How are you going to show up while you do that thing? Um, And having them come up with that is very healing and very clarifying. And I have like some different ways to get them to those answers. 
um, that are a little too involved for me to go into at the moment. But a lot of good questions, a lot of holding up the mirror, a lot of, hey, are you, are you saying this? But what you're actually saying is that. And they're like, yeah. And saying, where does that come from? Or why do you care about that? So when my mentor did something similar with me, it was like, why, why do you want to teach people, you know, to, to make their living of life urgent? I'm like, cause it is urgent. He says, well, why? And I'm like, cause my dad's not at the dinner table anymore. And he's like, okay, we can work with that. Like, that's something you actually believe. It's not just something that you came up with and you thought, you know, this would make a cute business plan. This sounds good. No, this is like your manifesto for how you're living your life. And so if you can get into something that aligned, it's going to be successful because human heart resonates with human heart, right? Um, I'm not saying anymore. I want to help women get fit and lift heavier. Yeah, I do. That would be cool. That's not like why I'm waking up in the morning. So when you can get into that, there's no way you could be that intentional and not have some type of uh, direction come out of it. I believe this, so I should blank is almost always the thing. If I believe this, then how do I live that out? Yeah. So part of it has to come from our own personal experiences, often that are painful. Mm -hmm. They can Mm -hmm. be the springboard, right? Yes. Yeah. Or um, I've seen a couple of examples. 80% of the time, it's what you just described. I had this hard thing happen. It brought me to my knees to a place of humility. And here's what I learned from it, right? And then there's these people who they struggle all their life. They never um, know what their thing is or who their group of friends is. They kind of don't fit in. And then all of a sudden, a piece clicks into place. Something resonates with them. And they're like, I got to tell people about this. And I got to teach from this place because this is the only thing I've ever really been passionate about. Sometimes it's not tragic. It's just hard. Um, and, And so taking, yeah, to some extent, it's always taking your struggle and learning something from it. It's so interesting. Really, really happy you pointed that out as well. Yeah. So where does physical fitness fit in? Because it's part of it, right? It's body. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Great question. (laughs) Um, So physical fitness was my gateway drug. I started to care about the body, the vessel. And I started to say, if I'm this intentional with my body, it's really hard for me to not be this intentional with other areas of my life. So me taking care of myself spilled over. It was at first the lowest hanging fruit. It was like, oh, here's the physical realm where I can see and feel a difference and know if it's working or not. Um, And here's the physical realm where I actually know where to start. How do you start working on your soul? That's a very, very deep question. But if you can get yourself into a gym and move your body, soon you're there moving your body and somebody's recommending you a podcast. And then from there, you're reading a book. And so you're just starting to open yourself up to like, hey, I want to be better than I am right now. And you're telling the universe, hey, I'm making moves, physically making moves, physically putting one foot in front of the other to go in a better direction. Even if that fitness routine was, I'm going to go for a walk every day. Guess what? That just got you into stillness. Now you're listening every day. Now you're you're pouring in. And so it's two things. They're both very cliche. If I don't, if I don't pour in, I can't pour out, right? Everybody says that, but it's just a fundamental truth is that we have to take care of our physical, physical bodies. Then the other thing is something that I consider a little bit more unique to Lisa Scott. And that is if I don't take care of this body, how the heck am I supposed to rip on life? Like if I want to go for a hike, but I can't physically go hike, that's a big problem. Exactly. Right. So I need to stay fit. And that's where it becomes fitness and not just wellness is I actually need to be very physically able in order to rip on life in the way that I want to. Because part of ripping on life for me is riding dirt bikes and hiking crazy things and jumping off of stuff and, you know, climbing the mountains, literally, not just figuratively. So for me, that's very, very important. And, um, if you don't feel good, nothing, nothing good is really going to get done. It's always going to be nagging at you. I used to have crazy digestion issues, crazy headaches, crazy anxiety. And it just took away from my potency in the day. It wasn't that I couldn't operate. It wasn't crippling, but it was like, man, I could have gotten this stuff done or enjoyed it a lot more if I wasn't worried about the stomach ache and the headache that I have. So just trying to help people find out 
what is your body telling you and how can you listen to it? You know? Yeah, exactly. Self-love, self-respect. Yeah. Yes. I love how you say it was the lowest hanging fruit, you know, like Mm -hmm. the motivation can be just, I just want to look better in this pair of jeans. And before you know it, you're realizing a lot of what you said that Mm -hmm. how, and, and, and I always used to say to myself, how long do I have to work out? Like this is a a big deal. Yeah. you know, at least three or four times a week. But then the answer that would come was, well, for the rest of your life, if you want to be able to do what you want to do. So longevity, you got to be able to do a squat to live alone. Yeah, can't get on and off the toilet, can't get in and out of bed, can't get on and off the couch, you can't do a squat. So um, training functionally too, not just for aesthetic has been a huge part of my journey and that like, I need to be able to be mobile, you know, Exactly. So interesting. So you love to dirt bike? Did you? Um, I actually, I, I did throw <laughs> that in there because on, on a few occasions I've had the opportunity. It's not a huge passion of mine. I'm more of a wakeboarder, snowboarder, mountain biker. Um, yeah. But no, if a chance, it, it's quite literally like ripping on life, like that sound, like, you know? So like, I just threw that in there because I think it's a good representation. But yeah, I do want to be able to get on a dirt bike at any given moment, even though I don't own one. And like, just live it up instead of feeling like, oh, I can't, because I don't know if I can do it. You know, I want to feel capable. Yeah. And you surf. I don't surf. I wakeboard. Oh, you wakeboard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what's the experience of wakeboarding? How can you tie that into the flow and, and. Yeah. Um, Simply put, like, I just feel so alive when I do it. I have many memories where I'm being towed behind the boat at sunset on a lake or on a bay. And I don't think it gets any better than having one hand in the water, the other hand on the handle, two feet on a board, sun, sunburn on your shoulders, right? You know, you're ripped on the day because you didn't miss it. It's like, don't miss it. Go get out there. Go look at the sunset. Go look at the sunrise. Go look at the moon. Go look at the sun. Um, it is, uh, you know, God paints us a sun sunset every night and we don't look at it because we're too ignorant and we're too stuck in the hustle. It's amazing. So uh, I think we could all be better about that. I don't watch the sunset every night or anything like that. But when I do, I'm glad I did. And so um, that is the flow state. Like, you know, they ask you that question. If you were going to die tomorrow, how would you spend your day? I would watch the sunset and the sunrise. I would wakeboard. I would eat a steak and I would make a bonfire at night. That's what I would do. Like, it's just what feels good. But that wakeboarding, you don't need to wakeboard to be successful. You don't need to wakeboard to rip on life. But if you do, you definitely are ripping on life. You know what I mean? It's like whatever it is for you. It could be horseback riding. It could be skateboarding. It could be driving a Camaro down, you know, route one. I don't know what, but it's just amazing. Um, It just immediately puts me into a sense of gratitude for my body and for nature. Right. And it's that excitement for life. Yes. So what would you say to someone that's depressed and isn't is kind of rolling their eyes at what we're talking about because <laughs> you know in that state of pain and depression mm-hmm. what are the first steps out out of that? Yeah, as someone who has spent time sad, um two things. One, your depression isn't you. Uh it's something that you are experiencing and it's not fixed doesn't mean you're going to be in that state forever. But this is really what I would say is, and this is for anyone depressed or not depressed. Everybody carries around the box, one of two boxes. The first box says life is awful. And if you carry around the life is awful box, you are going to all day long collect evidence that says life is awful. See, life is awful. See, you're going to fill up your box. Or you can carry around the box that life is awesome. And all day long, you're going to walk around and you're going to pick up evidence and say, life is awesome. See, life is awesome. See, I think we've all seen two siblings grow up with essentially the same uh, experience and turn out very different. It could be because they were carrying a different box. And so the evidence that you will find is the evidence that you are looking for. And just really being aware of like, what, what list are you making every day? Um, and if you can begin to shift into the life is awesome box, trust me when I say you will find the evidence that life is awesome. So even if it's really tiny things, like my favorite song came on shuffle today, 
I got to eat a taco for lunch with my friend at work. And, um, you know, I'm in bed on time. Can you find three things that made today awesome? And if you need to physically write them down and put them in a jar, do it. If you need to make a list on your phone so you can scroll back up on the bad days, do it. Because man, is life a mixed bag, right? It is a mixed bag. I'm not here to say, oh, it's all sunshine and rainbows. And like your struggles are going to make you awesome. Because when you're in the struggle, it doesn't feel like that. But even on my worst days, I could find three things that were awesome. Yeah. And, you know, where our focus goes, energy flows, but Mm. also to realize that the, you know, the downside, it's like, it's like an orchestra. It has its notes and it's part of the whole, and we're going to move through it into, you Mm -hmm. know, and I also love you saying, you know, reach for the lowest fruit on the tree and. Yeah. Start where, where you can start where you can reach baby. Yeah. Keep reaching for the next good thing. I think the the path is is never clear, but the next step always is. It's like you always need to know you need to know the one thing you need to do next. Not the next 10. Just keep taking the one. Yes. Huge, yeah. huge key, right? Mm-hmm. My cousin called me in tears one night. She said, Lisa, I just want to make um I want to make this art that she does. I'll I'll leave her anonymous here, but I want to make this art that I do successful. And I was like, you're trying to build a wall in a night. You got to just lay one brick. And before long, there'll be a wall. But how can you lay one brick today? Right? For a lot of people, that is, I got to work out in today. Or I went grocery shopping and I didn't buy junk food. Or I drank my water today. I stopped drinking so much soda. Whatever it is, so wild um, how those little things. At first, they're bricks. And then they're walls. And then they're houses. And then they're castles. Right? Exactly. And it stops us when we think we have to build the whole wall at once. Yeah. Total paralysis. <laughs> right. Total paralysis. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so just yeah. take that one step. Do you have an experience of that or? I think just with fitness, you know, I walked into a CrossFit gym and I immediately was like, how do I get my quads to look like hers? And how do I get, you know, a hundred pounds over my head? And that's not the way it works is you just have to keep focusing on how do I lift two more pounds? Next time I PR this lift, how do I lift two two more pounds? And, you know, in the beginning of your weightlifting journey, you're having 10 and 15 pound PRs and you're like, yeah. And then a year in, you're like, dude, I added a pound, but you fought for that pound. And that, that's a great example of just building your physical body or, uh, you know, I want to run a mile in six minutes, but my time right now is 10. Well, can you get it to 950? Can you get it to 940? Right. And it's just that little chisel chip away, chip away, chip away. Um, yeah, that's the most tangible example in my life. I know it's not overly exciting, but it sure is relevant. It yeah, totally. And you know, um, to not worry about not doing it perfectly at first. I often watch kids learn a new skill and they're really bad at it. Like yes, right. Totally unaware how, how of how bad they are because they're five or whatever. <laughs> but if you saw them at 15. It would be like night and day and they've just chipped away at it over time. But as adults, we think we need it all at once. It has to be perfect tomorrow or it's embarrassing. Right. We don't allow ourselves to live in progress. And that goes back to the childlike, but not childish. Like I think of my sister with her flute, right? She came home with a flute. She can now play it beautifully. But at first, she could not play it beautifully. And if she keeps going in high school, she'll really be playing it beautifully. Like you just said, I think an instrument is another great example of that. It's like at first you pick up a guitar, you want to be a rock star, right? You want to be like rocking out and you don't even know a G chord. Like, let's just start with that. And so and celebrate every win. That's another big thing for me. Rip on life is celebrate life. It is happening right here, right now. And like, you got to celebrate it. Like, don't don't wait for the quote unquote celebration to celebrate. because man, is it cool that it's just happening right here, right now, when we get to be a part of it. Right. And don't wait till the end to celebrate because it's over Correct. too fast. Yeah, exactly. Love it. What else can you share with us? Oh, gosh. Make yourself a playlist that really gets you going so that when you're not going, you can go back to that. And continually pouring in new ideas in your mind always be reading something. I don't care if it's fiction. 
or nonfiction or self-help or comedy or whatever, but do not let your brain get stagnant. And music and books have been my two favorite ways to ensure that my internal horizon has new things popping up along, you know? And um, I mean, a couple of my favorite books are Own the Day by Aubrey Marcus, Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss, The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss changed my life. Um, the book, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. I mean, all of those books are like gateway books, right? It's like you read one and then you've got to read another. And so start reading some, some stuff that really fires you up, that feels relevant and exciting for you. There's no such thing as a person who doesn't like to read. They just haven't found the right book yet. Firmly believe that. And then um, with music, don't wait for the top 50 to tell you what to be into. Go find a band you like on Spotify and then go through recommended artists and get lost in a wormhole until you're on a local artist page who's got 250 followers and go support them because they you will actually make them do a happy dance when you follow their music versus you know Pearl Jam and Red Hot Chili Peppers and Rage Against the Machine are great but they're legendary and everybody knows them um and go go find the the band that will appreciate your $20 t-shirt purchase or your you know $15 ticket sale because putting yourself around art and that's what books and music are is a really good way to make sure that you don't let your soul run stagnant. Love it. And at the same time, you're supporting someone else's dream, which fires mm -hmm. you inside, right? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a cycle for sure. So if you guys need books or music recommendations, I know I dropped uh, Tosh Sultana. We're going to have that in the show notes, but maybe if we want to link in tools of Titans, um, that would be another great, great book to start with and um just hope that you guys got some value out of the episode today and uh come come check my page out maximum potency on instagram and i have a podcast as well um it's called the maximum potency podcast it's on spotify apple and if you just google it it comes up as well and you can listen online but seriously thank you so much for having me on today you're very welcome and how do they find your website just one more time and i'll put that oh, yeah. it is life at maximumpotency.com. Perfect. Yeah. I forget that I have it. It's so funny. Social media has taken over. <laughs> yeah. It's great though. Thank you so much for sharing. Yes. And Absolutely. it was really, really fun and full of really beautiful wisdom. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. And for everyone out there, don't forget, don't give away your power to anyone else. Be the creator of your own life. Spiral up, spiral out. <laughs>